Well, good morning, Christ Community Church. Uh, this is a, a very unusual service for all of us. It is certainly for me uh, doing this. And, um, you know, a couple weeks ago, I was at Mission Viejo High School, and we were meeting with the faculty, and they were talking about anxiety and stress and kind of how our students are feeling and, and the pressures they're feeling. Sure, coronavirus was in the air, so to speak. Um, hopefully not literally, but metaphorically, it was in the headlines. And they were talking about that's just adding more anxiety to our students. And so they, they asked us if we could go through a mindfulness exercise. And so I remember, uh, and I'm familiar with mindfulness. I did some research on that in my dissertation. And them saying, well, we're going to go through this process. And they walked us through a mindfulness exercise to center yourself, breathe deep, and kind of think in, on unpleasant thoughts. And so it was a bit awkward because there were many of us parents sitting in this room uh, doing a mindfulness exercise. And as I was doing that, cooperating, I, I, my mind goes to, to Matthew chapter 6 and found that I don't generally struggle with a lot of anxiety or feeling pressure and stresses of life, although like all of you, I have reason to do that. But I kept going to Matthew 6 and just thinking about Jesus' words. And it was interesting because the person leading the mindfulness exercise was always saying, if the thought comes to your mind, acknowledge it, process it, but just let it go. And I thought, how, how, how can people really do that considering all that they are experiencing? For me, it made sense because I had such reassuring words from Matthew 6, but I says, what do other people do when, when pressures and stresses come into their mind? How do they just let that go? Anyway, that, that event came and went. And about two days ago, uh, well, as you know, on Wednesday, uh, the COVID virus is called a pandemic. And then Thursday, it seemed like a flashpoint. All of a sudden, it really ramped up. And I was studying, getting ready for this Sunday and 1 Timothy 4 and going through the whole day. And finally that evening, I called David Erickson and says, I think we've got to call an audible. I just don't think that, I think there's something in Scripture we want to give to our people that while 1 Timothy 4 is fantastic, I'm not so sure false teaching on abstinence from food and marriage is on everyone's mind right now. Although my son did say, well, didn't this virus start from bad eating practices? But I said, that's, that's a bit of a stretch. We need to do something different, but we don't know what. And then yesterday morning, Friday morning, after I dropped off my taxes, I went out to run an errand to get some things I just, we needed in the house. And, you know, one of those was like one uh, toilet paper. And I went to Target, I went to Walmart, and as you all know, there, there's like no toilet paper, no paper goods anywhere. And while people were civil, you could see there was this nervous laughter and just an angst and a concern just under the surface. You could almost cut it with a knife. I saw people waiting around, kind of hovering around as vultures on, on employees who might open up a box of toilet paper. And the words of Jesus in Matthew 7 came to my mind about the man who builds his life on his words. When the storm comes, they're okay. Now, I'm not saying that these people weren't Christians or anything, but there was a sense of angst and vulnerability and, and, and fear that was palatable. I left those stores not getting anything I came to show up with because then I thought, well, I want to think about this Sunday and our people. So I drove into Pete's and opened up my Bible and opened up my laptop and got a piece of paper out and thought, I want to jump into Matthew 6. Because in Matthew 6, we really see some certain truths for uncertain times, and those have been so helpful for me. And I think Jesus is talking to people who really do, they do live in uncertain times all the time, right? The oppression of Rome, being occupied by Rome, being an oppressed people, never knowing what the next day will bring, if Rome will protect them from the invading hordes or whatever it might be, war, famine, pestilence is what they dealt with on a daily basis that by God's grace, we don't. 
So how powerful were Jesus' words to those people? So I just opened up into Matthew chapter 6, and I thought, that's something we need to hear, certain truths in these uncertain times. And, and while our people are doing great, I've been so encouraged by many of you, uh, just this is a great church to be in where cool heads prevail and godly impulses are always leading. And I thought, I, I'm sure that there are probably some people who need reassurance, some people who need to know how should we process this. So this morning, we're going to do a, a brief sermon in Matthew 6, verses 19 to 34. So if you have a Bible, open up there. And then some of the elders, we're just going to talk about how they're thinking about this and how God's Word is shaping them to give us some guidance as a congregation. So let me, let me read to you Matthew 6, starting at verse 19. And Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad, your body will be full of darkness." If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things." And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So I just want to make uh, three or four points of what Jesus is saying about anxiety and uncertainty. The first one is this uncertainty will always mark this world. You notice that verses 19 to 21. Uncertainty will always mark this world, and Jesus gives us two reasons why. Number one, after all, this is a broken world. Rust and moth destroy, things decay, they break down. Sin has made everything to go into entropy. The moment you buy a brand new car, it diminishes in value the second it gets off the lot, right? You get a house, you have to maintain it. Things are always breaking down. Moth and rust will destroy. This world's marked by uncertainty because it's a broken world. But notice also Jesus says it's marked by uncertainty because this is also a sinful world. Thieves will break in and steal. So, so he's talking about treasure, right? Are the things we value, yes, it's a, it's a financial, it could be actual literal riches and treasures, but I also think the larger point he's getting at is the things that bring us joy, the things that bring us security, our treasures, the things we cling to, if we have them in this world, 
you're going to be uncertain because this world is broken and this world is sinful. Moths and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal. So if our treasure is in this world, then uncertainty and anxiety is going to be part of your life all the time. And notice the, the important connection, the connection between treasure and heart. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. There's just a direct connection there. And what Jesus is saying is, if you're investing your treasure, and it's, he's not against treasure, right? As a matter of fact, he's actually saying, lay up treasures. Have things you value. Seek joy. But if they're in the things of this world, that's an uncertain bet because this is a broken world and it's a sinful world. So lay up your treasures in a place where moths don't break in and uh, don't, don't destroy, rust does not d destroy, and thieves cannot break in and steal. Right? We know what that is. That is lay up our treasures with Him because they're never uncertain. So secondly, so that's the first thing. Secondly, uncertainty in our hearts always leads to uncertainty in our lives. Notice how He switches in verse 22. Um, now this, this one may seem odd, the, the eye is the lamp, but, but notice what Jesus is doing. He's first talking about the durability of certain treasures, right? Is, are, are our treasures going to be in the things of God and what He's doing or in this world? Now He switches to the, the, the precarious nature of two conditions or, or the, the, the outcome of two conditions. And the eye, um, I, I think it's a metaphor we re easily get, the eye is, is oftentimes in Scripture uh, associated in the same way of our hearts. So, my heart is set on something, my eye is set on something, I will put no unholy thing, or I will put no unholy thing before my eyes, is the same kind of thing of, this is where I'm going to set my heart. It expresses who we are as people, and I think what he's getting at here is, just as where our heart's condition is important, so is where our eyes, what we, what we set our focus on, the ambitions of our lives, the trajectory we're going. And if that's uncertain, if it's, un, if it's not clearly on the things of God and loving people, then there's going to be darkness there. I, I think Jesus is making that connection there. The, the principle he's making by contrast in verse 22 to 23, but, but the principle itself is coming out clearly in verse 24, right? You can't have two masters. It's the same, that's the same theme we saw in the, the treasure. You, you can't waffle here, put it one place or the other. You can't have two different ambitions here of light or darkness. It's got to be the same. And this is a consistent theme we see in Scripture, right? James 1 talks about um, not doubting, being a, a man tossed to and fro. Uh, Joshua 15, where he talks to the people of Israel, you got to choose. Choose you this day whom you will serve. There's got to be a certainty of where your heart and your eyes are focused. And so I, I think that, that second point is, man, just uncertainty in our hearts about where we're going to put our treasures is going to leave inevitably to this uncertainty in all of our lives, right? So, so, Jesus is talking about, the, He lays that foundation. So let's talk a little bit about where, what a certainty come, where certainty comes from. And we see here that certainty comes from knowing the promises of a certain God. And this is where we pivot on, on and starting in verse 25 through the rest of the chapter. You see, the, the flip side of certainty is uncertainty. And oftentimes, uncertainty leads to so much anxiety. Now, just so you know, anxiety is, is like a subset of fear, but it's not quite the same as fear itself. Fear often has a definite object. 
uh, the, the, the dentist's chair, the doctor's needle, uh, a crash uh, in rush hour, thunderstorms, cockroaches, spiders, uh, your financial portfolio losing 50% of its value. Those are fears. Anxiety, by contrast, doesn't really have a definite object. It's kind of like a diffused fear. It's, it's this ambiguous fear, fear of the unknown, fear of the uncertain, fear of the future. So if you fear or you get fearful because your portfolio just lost 50% because the, the, the market's just tanked, you're anxious because you don't know what that means for my retirement, for my future. You don't know what's coming. You've lost control. This is why so oftentimes we say, um, you have a fear, but you are anxious. It, it kind of grips you in that way. So let me give you just a few reasons. I think I have four reasons not to be anxious from what we just read and what we're seeing here in Jesus' words. Number one, verse 25. Let me read it to you. Therefore I tell you, and notice how often Jesus says why we don't have to be anxious. Here's the first one. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So here's the first reason not to be anxious. Life is much more than what we often think it is. Let me unpack what's going on here. In, in, in ancient Israel, they didn't have quite the variety of pleasures that you and I have. So one of the few pleasures they actually could have and experience that we still do to this day is good food. And so when he's talking about food, Jesus knows that we do need food, right? Jesus says that at the end of this chapter, that we need these things. But what he's talking about is that, that the, the, the pleasures that we can get from food, and these people were seeking the pleasures of food. He says life is more than the, the delicacies of the fine foods you can experience. And clothing in the same way, they, they didn't have, you know, um, Banana Republic, H&M, Ann Taylor, whatever it is you go to. They didn't have tons of clothing. They all wore generally the same kinds of things. So if you had something unique and special, that, was a, that marked you off with approval and esteem. It set you apart from everyone. It was a way of establishing a kind of identity. So what he's saying is that, look, life is more than getting these pleasures from food. Life is more than, than kind of getting the esteem and praise of men because of what you can afford in your clothing. But at the same time, food and clothing is not less than those things that are very important. So there's the concern, if I don't have food, I don't have clothing, then, then I'm going to experience, a, I won't survive. I, I won't have long life. And what Jesus is getting at in this first kind of concept is that your life is more than these things of pleasure and praise and long life. Well, what good is a long life of pleasure and praise when it's not lived for what matters? Right? There's that, that wonderful quote in Braveheart where William Wallace says, oh man, uh, something about um, he, he, he doesn't fear dying, he fears not living well kind of a thing, right? And I think of what Jesus' words in Matthew 16, 26, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, have all the food, all the clothing, all the life they want, but lose their own soul? That's a really important fact. Friends, in fact, I think times like this can be good because it makes us realize, wow, if, if, if I'm feeling a bit nervous, maybe I got to find a new treasure, right? I, I got to put treasure someplace different than I have been because this treasure is easily taken away in this broken world. 
So Jesus says, hey, here's the reason you don't have to be anxious, because life is much more than the things we often think it is. Second reason, verse 26 and then verse 28 and 30. Jesus says this in verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Even Solomon was not as adorned as one of these things. Here's the second reason we don't, have, we don't, we, we don't need to be anxious. We are more valuable than anything in God's creation. We're made in His image. The birds, they work. God provides for them. The, the grass that is here today and burned tomorrow, they're adorned. How much more valuable are we than these things? So the reasoning is from the lesser to the greater. If God cares for these, you're valuable. Don't be anxious. The third reason we have for not being anxious is Jesus tells us in verse 27 and verse 34 that anxiety is a shell game. Let me, let me read it to you and then unpack that. And which of you, verse 27, by being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? And then verse 34, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow because tomorrow will be anxious for itself. A shell game. If you've ever been to a big city, New York, Boston, Chicago, you see they've got these card tables in the street, and there's a guy with three cups, and he's got a ball, and he covers the ball, and he moves it around, and you're supposed to figure out where the ball is and call it out. Well, anxiety is a shell game because you spend all your energies following the wrong cup. It's like emotional sleight of hand where I should be worried about, man, how am I going to love people well? How am I going to care for those who, who maybe feel are, are more and feel more vulnerable than me? Instead of worrying about that, I'm worrying about toilet paper, right? Or I'm going to get hand sanitizer. When I should be worried about, how do I bear fruit of the Spirit in times when it really is important? Anxiety is a shell game, friends. We spend all our energies fearing a future, forgetting we have a living God today. Remember what we learned that last week? And so, so, in some sense, fear is a false prophet because it's always proclaiming doom and making us forget you have a living God. You do not need to worry about that. So, if we give into anxiety and that shell game, we're not going to have faith working itself out in love like Galatians 5, 6 tells us. It's going to be fear working itself out through unbelief. And that's not who we are. We are the people of the living God. We don't give into the shell game of anxiety. When we live out of fear, friends, we never make good decisions. Jesus says, that's how the Gentiles live that way. People of the living God live out of a confidence that His name is a strong and mighty tower. Let me take you to Proverbs 18.10. Proverbs 18.10, this is what it says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous man runs into it and is safe. Go with me to Psalm 18. Psalm 18 and verse 2. I love this. The Lord is my rock, immovable, my fortress, impregnable, and my deliverer. So He's my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I, we take refuge, my shield. Remember, the, the David writes, they knew war. So shields were important. It took the brunt of a sword or a morning star or a mace or a spear or whatever it might be. They stood behind the shield, right? He's, he's my shield and the horn of my salvation. So on the battlefield, when the horn would blast, reinforcements were coming, the cavalry was coming. This is the Lord. The cavalry is on the way and my stronghold. Notice how many strong 
images of protection right there in that one psalm from a man who knew uh, war, famine, and pestilence. He says, I'm not sweating it. I'm not giving into the shell game because I've got a strong tower in the Lord. Finally, fourth, anxiety is the emotional dashboard. This is a little bit different, so, so hang with me here. Verse 31 to 32a, let me, let me read what Jesus is saying here uh, back in Matthew chapter 6. Let me get there myself. Verse 31, therefore, again, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Notice those are the concerns running through the theme here, right? Uh, the pleasures of life, uh, our esteem, or just life itself. Why? Verse 32, because the Gentiles seek after these things. Here's my fourth point, and this is a bit different. Anxiety can, can be a good thing in that it's like the emotional, uh, it's like the, the, the light on your emotional dashboard that something's not quite right. You guys all see that when you drive around, like my oil light pops up or my engine light pops up. It's telling me something's not right, right? In one sense, friends, anxiety can actually be good for your sanctification. So, for example, uh, in his book, The Meaning of Anxiety, Rollo May, one of the most famous psychiatrists, says this, anxiety can have the prognostic value of a fever. It is a sign of struggle going on within the personality. In other words, this is what May is saying in, in that statement. He, he says that we all have a, a true sense of what we're supposed to be. Now, in, in May's kind of theory, it's, it's basically authenticity and all these weird kind of ideas, but we know as Christians what we are supposed to be. The Bible gives us what's called, in, in psychological terms, because I'm talking about Rollo May, a maturity ideal, what people are supposed to be at their optimum. We know what that is, right? Matthew chapter 22, 37 to 34, they said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And what do you say? Love God with everything. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul tells us what the maturity ideal is, Romans 8, 29, those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image and likeness of who? Jesus. Paul later said, that's the goal of my ministry, Colossians 1, 28 to 29. Every strength I have, everything we're laboring to do is bring people to maturity in Christ. Man, with everything I have, that's what it's about. So our maturity ideal is Jesus Christ. But what, what may, his insight's pretty good. What he's saying is that when we experience anxiety, when we feel that anxiety, it is at that point at which who we are is not congruent with who we should be. I think that's pretty genius. When we feel that, that sense of fear, that sense of concern, or that I'm uncomfortable, that, that's an emotional cue that's saying, hey, something's not aligning right that who you are is not congruent with what you're supposed to be, and you know that, and that anxiety is saying, hello, hello, something's not right here, and you're feeling it. And so what I think May is saying, and I think what the Scripture says is that, man, when you feel that sense of fear, or that I'm uncomfortable, or there's growing concern, you actually lean into that, and you explore what's going on here. Is my salvation really getting toilet paper or, or hand sanitizer or stocking up on food or whatever? Is that my salvation? Because that doesn't sound like a strong tower because that will go away. And, and I, I think anxiety can help us realize, man, this is where I need to press in to say, oh, God's doing a work and he's wonderfully exposing. This is an area I need to lean in and be more like Jesus Christ. So in some sense, friends, when you feel anxious or fear, man, that, that can be a good tool to heighten your sanctification. I know that's, it does that for me. So last and finally then, 
What should we do? And then I'm going to land this, and I want us, our elders, to just kind of share from their hearts. What should we do? Two things. We see it verse 32 and 33. But, in contrast to everything, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Friends, I love what, it's, what Jesus says. Your heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things. In fact, that's why He's saying... So seek the kingdom first, because he knows you're going to be tempted to go after this and go after that and do all these other things. And, and I'm trying really hard to stay on this bar seat or bar stool seat right now because I, I don't want to get out of the frame. But Jesus isn't saying seek ye first because these things aren't a pressure. He's actually saying because you feel this stuff, man, that's when you lean in. That's when you lean into the kingdom of God. You don't be fret. You don't be anxious. That instinct to panic is all there. And that's when you lean in. Why? Because he knows you need these things. And he knows you're tempted to chase after them in your own control, your own strength, to be your own tower, your own refuge. Don't do that. Seek God, who is our refuge. And then secondly, just as I said, uh, just from Matthew 7, when Jesus says, build your lives on his word, Right? Let's do that. Let's be a, and, I, and I'm just so thankful that our people have done that beautifully and done that so well. Let's be in this moment where people are feeling so vulnerable and that, that they don't have a living God, that we are those people, that we have a living God. We have a family that we're taking care of each other right now, being in each other's homes and being into the Word of God and caring for one another. We're that family. We're going to be that, that, that people of the living God. And we're going to be that pillar and buttress of the truth. When everyone's seeing their truths fall away and their certainties give way, we're just going to be here saying, you need to build your life on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. So let's close in prayer. And then what I want to do is transition to have our elders share a little bit from their hearts as well. Father, we thank you for the power of your word, that you are a certain God who gives a certain truth in uncertain times. Father, we don't look to how this will resolve. We look to your kingdom. You are not taken aback or moved from your throne. As a matter of fact, Lord, good things often come from these kinds of concerns or moments and events in our culture. We pray as a church that we would rise to the occasion. Thank you for our brothers and sisters who are doing that by being a witness of the life-transforming power of the gospel in our lives right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, everyone. Uh... Good to be meeting with you uh, through the internet. Uh, these are, uh, I don't think anyone, any one of us could have predicted this no. uh, even uh, a week ago, but here we are, and uh, we're doing it together as a church body. Um, and uh, we're, we're grateful to be here. I want to give you some encouragement, just share from our, uh, some of our own experience, some of what we're thinking from Scripture, and uh, as, we, as we all go through this together. We're all having different impacts in our lives. I don't think there's anyone that doesn't have some impact. My daughter's staying home from college uh, this week, and uh, you know, uh, work has impacted for me as well. One thought I have, I want to share one scripture that has come, been on my mind quite a bit, um, is Philippians 2. Um, and I think this relates directly to this idea of a pandemic and a, a viral outbreak where it, it doesn't affect people the same. Um, it affects uh, uh, people that are uh, older people, uh, people that uh, have weakened immune systems, it's dangerous to them. And for, you know, somebody that's young and strong, it's like, you know, it may not affect me. Uh, I think I'm young and strong. Uh, it may not affect me at all. But this is a chance for us to exhibit Christ-like virtue and think of others. So mm -hmm. Philippians 2.4 says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest mm -hmm. of others. 
Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in human, in the likeness of men. So even as we're sitting at home today, uh, we're serving each other, we're loving each other, and uh, we're going to do this together. So that, that's what's on my mind. Yeah, I think, I think that's great. Uh, I, I have had to change the way I think about this as well, and I think that it's been helpful for me to think of it as, as, as a temporary compromise, but a sacrifice, uh, a means of loving our neighbors, loving our body, those kind of things. And so, yeah, if you're, if you're struggling with that as well, you know, I, I would say um, think on those things. Because we're antinomians. We kind of like, oh, we're going to meet, doesn't matter. But yeah. this is really, you've helped us think, this is about loving others and thinking not, not how I would respond, but what is best for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a real good real, realization that part of being a Christian is being in community. And my decisions, again, it's not just me, yeah. it's us. Yeah. 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 And I just have a natural tendency to just like rebel against that. <laughs> saying, oh, I'm, yes. I'm eating anyways, whatever. But yeah, I, I, for me, yeah, it's, it's, it's what is... What is not my self-interest, but the interest of others, loving our neighbors, yeah. seeing every, every person as a sacred uh, image bearer, those kind of things. Yeah, I, I had, a, I had a, a, a physical response to the announcement that we were canceling church on Sunday. Mm. I mean, it was just like, what? How can, like, very similar, like, yeah. I'm not going to do that. No way. Nobody's going to make us shut down church. It, it's like, but, you know, it, it's, as, as I thought, of, just that response was like, okay, where's that coming from? Is that, mm. like, is that hyper-spiritual or is it just like, cause this whole thing, you know, the, the media has a, has a very strong impact on what people think and how they react mm -hmm. to each other. Um, the reality is, and I think most people in our church understand that this particular crisis is being, um, the term going around that I just want to eliminate is abundance of caution. In an abundance mm -hmm. of caution, we're we're canceling everything in an abundance of caution. And it's like, guys, just say, caution. We're, we're trying to be cautious and considerate. And the reality is, yeah, it makes sense to take this seriously because there are, there are effects. There are people who are at risk. And man, I'd hate to be the person who is the vector for somebody who gets the disease and, and, and suffers. But at the same time, this particular crisis the reality is, it's the flu. It, at the end of the day, a year from now, it will go back into the catalog of flus and as one that's just one of many uh, viruses that people contract. So there's the reality of it, and then there's, there's what it exposes in, in the community. It's just being very sensitive to what do we, like, what do we treasure? Where is our security? And that... That's what excites me about this. Like yeah, yeah. the opportunity for our church and just the elders to, to have this discussion, the people of our church to think about, think through, how are they, are they, there are people who are like, bah, like me, my original reaction was like, this is crazy. And there are other people like, oh my gosh, is, what's gonna happen? How am I gonna meet my needs? How am I gonna, you know, what am I gonna do with my kids? All those practical things. Um, but the, re the reality is, Crises like these cause us to assess our perspective. They give us perspective. Yeah. I, I, I think it is possible to have a you know, concern and care for those around you and also have a kind of a, a, big, perspective, a, big, a, a big picture of 
human history mm-hmm. and realize this is a blip. Yep. And I, like, I think of Jesus' words in Matthew 24, um, when, when the disciples were concerned about the temple being destroyed, Rome, mm. and Jesus said, look, uh, don't be concerned about when people, uh, when people say, you know, that uh, um, they start you know, proclaiming the end of times and that, that, that the Messiah is coming. And Jesus said, you know, there's going to be uh, all kinds of things. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There will be famines, earthquakes in various places. He could have put pandemics in the list. Mm-hmm. And these are just the beginning of birth pains. And this is going to be the norm in our, in our fallen world. Mm-hmm. And uh, f- focus instead on uh, trusting God and being ready to uh, uh, give a defense for your faith and being mm-hmm. a sound witness. Yep. And then Jesus gives this, this beautiful verse in verse, uh, chapter, uh, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So we know none of these, none of these other cataclysms will bring about the end. They can't do it. The, only the gospel going out to all nations can bring the end. Yeah. So put your focus on that. And that. But, you know, here we are in the middle of one, and, uh, you know, let's love each other and do our best. And, and God willing, in six months, it would just be a COVID-19 meme everywhere. Yeah. It'd, be, it'd be like Uh-oh. a Y2K. A Wikipedia page. Oh, you remember page. that yes. thing? You know? Yes, and, that's and right. We don't know. I mean, Hopefully, if not, it's okay. We're, we're going to yeah. continue on with the, yeah. what the Lord's called us to do. Yep. Yeah. I think of uh, Luke 13, um, you know, this tragedy happens. This tower falls mm. over and kills like 18 people. And Jesus mm-hmm. is there. They're, and they're saying, what is going on? This thing that, look, we don't understand why this happened. It, it just seems random. This, this tower fell over. These people mm. died. And I think it's super interesting what Jesus says. He says, uh, those 18 on whom the tower and Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent you will all likewise perish. And so he brings it back to this idea of repentance. He brings it back to the bigger picture of the kingdom. And that, and that I mean, for me, as I read this, I'm thinking, man, this is an opportunity when, when the world is running around like chickens with their heads cut off yeah. to, be, um, to be proclaimers of a gospel of peace and a gospel of truth and a yeah. gospel that that doesn't, um, th- that understands anxiety and has an answer for it. Yeah. And so don't, don't waste this time. I mean, to, to talk to people, people are primed and ready because they're fearful and mm-hmm. we, have, we have the truth. We have answers for that. So guys, I think we should talk, share a little bit about what our plans are in the next uh, upcoming weeks. You mean personally? Or? Yeah, personally, yeah, for, for like a, a Sunday, mm-hmm. what are we gonna do tomorrow morning uh, in your home for oh, Sunday yeah, morning yeah, worship yeah. or uh, your community groups? Well, I, a, like I said, I'm looking forward to being in church um, with people from our church while y'all watching me preach. That's yeah. going to be very surreal. Yeah. Uh, but I'm actually looking forward to that experience of being with our people in that setting. Yeah. Yeah. You're that, like, that, yeah, that's such a great point that guy made. That's yeah. right. I was like, yes, this guy uh-huh. can preach it. Yeah. Well, and this happens all the time, right? Where we're, when we pray, we're, we're, we're talking to God across time. Like mm-hmm. we're praying you know, all day Sunday across the world, this idea of saints are praying throughout the entire day, but throughout all time, we have that in common. So this is just a distributed, we're still a body, yep. even yep. though yep. it's out there. So um, definitely tomorrow, because of the, the timing, uh, it just be our, our small family. Yep. Um, 
and I'm certainly going to be reaching out to the community, our community group, yeah. asking yeah. them to meet with us. Hopefully, you're yeah. all here. And I and I know some people who aren't in community groups that I've been relationships. So I'm going to invite them to be with us, yeah. and hopefully, our community. Like, so when we're done with this, we're going to get make sure our community group are heads up and meet somewhere and invite yeah. other people to join us because I know they're not in a community group. Yeah. yeah so, so here's an opportunity for people to. Uh, connect with their community groups in, yep. in maybe a, a re more regular fashion. I would hope that, that our, the community groups would be meeting every Sunday at least mm -hmm. and that they would be opening up their, their homes to, to others who aren't in community groups, that we would be connecting with others who are maybe uh, more disconnected. Um, yeah, I think that, that if you are willing to open your home to, to view and, and facilitate uh, the Sunday morning, that that's a great thing for you to do. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, uh, our community group meets Monday nights. We're planning to have it at our house. Uh, if somebody in our house uh, starts uh, coughing or certainly has a fever, you know, like we're not going to have that. Um, not going not gonna to meet, you know, so just reasonable precautions. But uh, yeah, we should be meeting Monday night. And if somebody in our group um, uh, feels nervous about coming, uh, we're going to mm -hmm. use Zoom mm -hmm. and just, you know, web conferencing up on the TV. There's no reason to be alone. Yeah, yeah. We can still be together. Um, I'm looking forward to family worship uh, tomorrow mm -hmm. morning. Uh, we have a stack of hymnals. Mm -hmm. We like to get out. They're coming out tomorrow morning. It's going to be great. Um, and uh, I've been, uh, I was uh, studying Zephaniah recently, and it turns out there's three chapters in Zephaniah, and we have three Sundays at home. So that's Sunday school for us yeah. is uh, chapters one, two, and three. Yeah. Yeah. for the next few weeks. So I'm looking forward to that time and being with our, our family and then being with our community group. Um, and uh, yeah. You know, I think it's important. We've been talking about this and this is perfectly highlights it. The church, we've always been saying the church is not the building. Yeah. So church doesn't change. Yeah. The, the church, nothing really changes for us because it's not about whether the campus is open or closed. The church is not the campus. Yeah. The church, Christ Community Church, we will continue being Christ Community Church. We're just now more distributed, but the church is still happening, right? In, yeah. the, in that real, the truest, and, uh, the truest sense of the word, church is going on like normal. It's just the campus, this physical location, has been shut down for a couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah. 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 And I would just encourage our people to be disciplined. You know, this, this is going to create, um, mm -hmm. I mean, in some ways it'll be inconvenience, but in some ways it'll be convenience. You can have church in your jammies, right? That's right. Um, <laughs> but but I, would, I would encourage our people to, to keep that time sacred Sunday mornings. Don't yeah. put it off. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll do it Monday night. Right. Oh, yeah, we didn't That's get right. to it. We'll yes. get to do it yep. Tuesday. No. Keep the rhythm keep and routine. Keep the rhythm. Yep. Keep yep. the routine. Keep disciplined in that. And that, I, I think, will benefit you in the long run. And Lord willing, so it's, three, it's three Sundays, right? That's the plan. And that three takes Sundays. us through Palm Sunday. Yep. Lord willing, we will be back here on what? Easter morning. Yeah. Or well, maybe no, we'll, could, be, no, we'll or be back here Palm, Palm Sunday because oh, Palm Sunday hopefully. is April 5th. Right. Oh, Palm Sunday is the first one in April. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be, I mean, Passion Week. Uh, a celebration. You know, Lord willing, this will be a wonderful time. Yeah. Hopefully it'll build a longing for us to be Absolutely. together. Yeah. That will be yeah. great. So if, unless someone has, I want to give administrative because I know the, the staff would want us to talk about how they can access things on the website yeah. and all that. I have so one sure. comment on yeah. the discipline thing because yeah. like I said uh, before, I'm excited about the good things that are going to come out of this. And I think examining our disciplines is one of those things that's gonna really be exposed. Mm. Like, so our, the company I work for is talking a lot about working from home. Yep. And there's a lot, of, and there's schools that are basically saying, hey, we're, yeah. we want to educate from afar. Mm -hmm. 
And the kids are like, yeah. And the employees are like, yeah, work from home. This is going to be yeah, cool. Yeah, introverts are loving this time whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, the reality is you have to be disciplined to do yeah. that. Yeah. It's not a vacation that you're getting paid for. It's yeah. like, no, you yeah. have work to yeah. do. Yeah. So in the same way, this, this idea of a distributed church is like, no, it's not like you get to just have Sunday off. It's like, no, this, you're being called to a higher level of discipline. Mm-hmm. And hopefully what that stirs up is other disciplines. Disciplines yeah. being those things that we intentionally do on a regular basis, whether it's prayer or serving others or reading scripture yeah. or meditating or memorizing verses or, you know, gathering together to worship. Those are, this, I, I'm really excited when we do get back together yeah. to hear some of those experiences of, mm. wow, this really kind of up, made, forced me to up my game because yeah. I couldn't just say, oh yeah, I went to church today. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had to actually actively say, be the church. Yeah, yep. how am and I so gonna be inherent, the church? Inherent in that is, is an intentionality, right? It's yes. not just simply that, oh yeah, I'll see them on Sunday. Right. It may not be. So we have to be intentional about connecting with people. So please Amen. connect with brothers and sisters in the church. Um, know where people's needs are. Be praying for them. So that's more phone calls, which I have yep, phonophobia, but, but I will push through. I will sacrifice. That's a, that's a good segue into what you wanted to talk <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah, so yeah. let's yeah. conclude by saying uh, on Sundays, we're going to be putting uh, worship packets on the website. And so that we'll have children's ministry, the gospel project materials there, talking to Jordan if student ministries material needs to be there, community, community group questions will be there. I think Adam's got the song list, so, so there you can put together a Spotify playlist. All that to say is we will have things available on Sunday mornings on the website at 9 a.m., just like regular. Uh, and so that's going to come up. And also just to remind you that um, while we may not be meeting congregationally, the needs of the church still exist. So, so don't take this as like a Jehovah Jireh, I don't have to give this week. Um, this, there are still needs. So please, if you haven't signed up for online giving or those things, now is a perfect reason to do that. So we can continue the, the expenses of the church as we go through this three periods of three weeks of not being together or uh, the rest of the month, I mean. So. And realm. So, and Realm. Yes, we, we will we be posting things on Realm. Links on Realm. And if you're not on Realm, we want to definitely yes. emphasize that. If you're not in a community group, get in a community group. If you're not on Realm, get on Realm. And if you need help, call the church office Monday yeah. morning, and we will get you a, your profile set up and get you plugged in on Realm so we can keep communicating. Guys, be, be a network that, that you're communicating with people who maybe you know aren't as connected, uh, and then communicating that back to us, communicating that uh, to your community group. I mean, let's be extra intentional. Let's be extra connective I have during one, this time. I have one book recommendation. If, if you're struggling with the anxiety that Rick was talking about or, or having, you know, or looking for an opportunity to dive into a really good book, Jerry Bridges' Trusting God is an excellent book on kind of the whole, it's short, so you could probably get through it in a couple days, um, especially if you're home from work, working. Um, <laughs> you could knock it out, and it's really good. It's, it's a broad coverage of all the ways in which we don't trust God or should be trusting God, and there's some things where we just have to turn it all over to Him, knowing that He's sovereign, that He's ordained all of these events for our good to accomplish His purpose. Okay, last word, David. How about if I close this with a verse from Joshua 1? Please do. This, uh, Joshua 1, uh, verse, verses 8 and 9. This book of the law mm-hmm. shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. 
Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Thanks for listening to this message from Christ Community Church of Laguna Hills. For more information and resources from Christ Community, visit us at www.ccclh.org.